Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, oh my God, I love having the gossiping heifers. Those heifers are back. Michelle and Rochelle are the dynamic duo behind the wildly entertaining podcast, The Gossiping Heifers. With a flair for humor and a knack for keeping listeners engaged, these two sisters bring a fresh and hilarious perspective to the world of current events, celebrity gossip, and everyday life. Listeners can expect a roller coaster ride through the latest news, headlines, celebrity scandals, and everything in between. What sets gossiping heifers apart is their ability to blend insightful commentary with rib tickling humor. You don't want to miss this episode with this dynamic podcast duo, the gossiping heifers. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe. Make sure you turn on the auto download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast and Twitter is friendslikeus10. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash friendslikeus. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. And now, for our golden friends, you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage. We record every Monday. Go to Patreon backslash Friends Like Us and be golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops. They're all available. Just go to MarinaFranklin.com. Saturdays on my YouTube channel, I go live with my wacky friend, Dave Juskow. Check it out. Go to my YouTube channel. We give updates to the show. We shout out fans who live leaves us reviews and we have surprise guest friends from the podcast stop by and sometimes we offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows with friends like us it will help you feel not so alone because more content it's on the way tell a friend you know to check us out stay safe wash those dirty little hands be nice and black lives matter and welcome to friends like us i'm marina franklin here for you I've got the gossiping heifers. They be gossiping. I got Michelle and Rochelle. They're so funny, we had them back. Woo-hoo-hoo, yeah. There's no rhymes in this today. Yeah. And I feel more confident singing in front of y'all. Thank you very much. <laughs> Shake your shimmy, girl. Nothing, nothing like the classic Miranda tunes to bring in the episode, okay? Yeah, it's it was so funny because I was I was telling you how like I have the rideshare queen on and I was like, oh no. She gave me a 10 for confidence. <laughs> I was like <laughs> I was like silently going, why are you hating that part? Just get me to my destination. And I did love the episode with the ride share because I ride share in between clientele all the way to this interview. I had a major hiccup. I picked up a Spanish lady from a medical center and they put their at the addresses in where they need to take their patients. They put the wrong address in. So I had to pull over and she's on my coffee. No, no, no. This this not the right place. You have to go this way. And I said, man, just give me your address. I'll put it in the app and I will take you there. 
I said, but I do need to get to my appointment. But she was spending more time telling me it wasn't her fault. I'm like, lady, just give me the address. So I'm calling Rocky to let her know I'm running late. And all you hear in the background, <laughs> and I know I just told this woman, look, I got to make a call because this extra destination is going to throw my schedule off. And she got right on the phone, got loud on the phone, and I couldn't speed quick enough to drop that woman off. So here we are. Oh, wow. Yes. So that's like the hardest part of like ride share that I found like with the rideshare queen with Deanna Dixon, like she had all these nice experiences, but you get customers sometimes it ain't good. Well, it's, it was not the woman's fault, but I was hoping that she would hold up on her conversation when I was trying to make my phone call. Cause she'd already been on the phone when she got in the car, she took a break. And then she, it seemed like when I said, I got to make a call, she got right on her phone and my Bluetooth was connected to my phone. So it's on the speaker. So I'm like, I know you hear this ringtone. I know you hear this woman answering the phone as my sister, and I need to communicate with her <laughs> to let her know and what's going And she understood you were making a call. Right. Yeah. But she was just determined to get on her phone. I don't know what she was discussing because I don't speak Spanish, but she, whatever it was, she was very passionate about it. <laughs> she said, I, well, she I got to the El Negro that speaks no Spanish. And I'm not. <laughs> Yeah, did you hear Negra in there in, at all? No, because I, I, had I heard that, the car would have been pulled over. Okay, so. <laughs> there was no puta? No, no that. puta, no El Negro. Not, none of those, you know, terms that we know are addressed to her. That was in that conversation. Uh, she was mainly going off of her doctor's office that put the destination in wrong. It was messed up of her doctor's office. You would think they would know better, but you know it. But people have no mannerism anymore. So um common sense is definitely not common. It's getting worse and worse as the years go by. Yes. Why would you make a phone call? No, when I'm about to make a phone call. I, I you know, that's why I couldn't do this what Michelle does, because I would probably turn around, snap my finger, something really rude, like shut the hell up. It took everything. And like I said, it was not her fault. But like I said, it, I, I, it irritated me when I let her know that I got to make a call. And she spoke English. That part so was no communication part. factor. So, so she spoke English. Yeah, but and that part like, was her fault. Getting that her part was her fault. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to shut all the way up, lady. <laughs> I do get in the car sometimes. And if I want to get on the phone and the driver is speaking, I mean, you already clarified it but i have been in the car before where the driver is talking the whole way from like west forth to a hundred in in to harlem and it's like i don't uh, every now and then i'll i was like no i told i told one guy i said listen no i don't want to i'm not doing this i don't want to hear your conversation this whole trip Dude, because it's like, sort of like a disrespectful thing. I think when they do that with black women too, like they think like I, I, I like I'm not gonna complain or something, right. or it's like whatever, you know. And but every now and then, a driver will say, "Hey, I've got to make a call. Do you mind?" And I so appreciate that because I'm like, "Oh yeah, go ahead." Yeah, and I'll be like, "Yeah, this, thanks for asking." Yeah, this knucklehead will call me or she'll text me first. I'll text and say, "Do you have a passenger? Are you working?" 
And if I don't have anybody to call, I'll call her. But, you know, it is common courtesy. Because I don't want nobody to hear my conversation. I personally don't want to hear your conversation in the back seat. But you can't tell the passenger that. So I find it very rude. It's almost like, let me get on the phone and totally ignore you. That's fine. It's like avoiding, you know, but if I was the driver, if I was in someone's car and they talk on the phone the whole time, time, you're trying to avoid dealing with me. So you're getting a sucky ass rating, excuse me for cursing, but you, I'm, I'm giving you um, five, four thumbs down. Because mm-hmm. that's to me is being you're being rude. You're purposely trying to ignore your passenger. Yeah, and like yes. Miranda said, yeah. I'm not trying to hear your conversation. That part, N- not for that length of a trip. No. Oh no. And a lot of like you know Indian drivers, they're usually talking to their wives and and having like, and I get that, but it's like at least if it's. If it's low volume or, you know, because every now and then I won't even know they're on the phone and then I'll, they'll go, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and I go, oh, someone on the other end really talks, right. you know, because you didn't even have, you said nothing for like at least 10 minutes. And I'm just now realizing you're on the phone. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes they do that because they're away from their family and they just want to be connected. So I get all that. Yeah. But it's I don't. really just like when it's the whole ride. It's yeah, like, I, I don't. If I know my man is at work, I'm going to let him work in peace. I need him to get all that check, get all them tips. And you calling and talking to him all day while he on the phone ain't going to help his tips because I ain't tipping. <laughs> well, see, that's the point. I Like Marina said, I don't want to be uh, rude to the passenger. So that's why I'm always a strickler. Rocky got the system down, Pat. My dad's a whole other story. He'll call me knowing I'm working and discuss conversations that can wait till I get home. But he does it anyway, because that's just the kind of guy he is. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I try not to mess. No, it would have to be an emergency for me just to up and call Michelle. <clears throat> but I, I, I don't do that. I know how Michelle is. Um, I don't want to have to cuss her out. I want to have a friendly, happy day. But um, no, my dad is going to do what he want to do. He wants to do. But that is something I think we need to put out there. That, you know, just what the passengers should respect on their rideshare drivers. There's certain things passengers do in the car. I, that is just unbelievable to me. Like, and, like oh, oh. Well, first of all, I got two sunroofs in my car. There's one in the front, one in the uh, back, in the back seat, and I'll have it closed so won't nobody mess with it. But then somebody will get back there and start looking around and start trying to. I said, "Would you please don't? Yeah, do this is not your vehicle. Do not mess with my sunroof." I had um, one girl, and then no, the worst is if they come in your car smelling like weed or alcohol. Because see, if the weed scent is so strong, it lingers. So that's why, luckily, I keep Febreze in my glove compartment. But the next person to get in, they will assume, are you driving high? You know, because that scent's still in the vehicle. So I Mm. wish they would stop toking it up so strong before they get in the car. (laughs) All these toking up where you're not putting on your clothes that you finna wear out. That's why. Wash your hands. 
and then put your clothes on a little spray, you know, perfume, cologne, whatever it is. But if you're going to smoke in your clothes, that stuff is in your clothes now. In your clothes. Now you walking around smelling like a fat blunt. And I'm like, you didn't bring enough for everybody, did you? Get out of my car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I smoke a lot. Like, but I, you know what's weird? I don't like the smell of it at all. I vape more just because I don't want the smell. And I don't think vaping is very healthy. No. But I know, and like every now and then I'll go to back to flour. Like I'm back to flour because I know the vaping is not healthy. Oh, now, but it's just that, yeah. that smell in New York City because it's legal now. Mm. It's everywhere. Like I went to this woman's house last night. She's like 80 years old. She's a, she's the neighborhood cat lady. That's a whole other story. And she was cooking, she cooked dinner for me. She was really nice. Like, and it was one of those things where she's got a really nice brownstone in New York. When you're in one, you feel like, oh my God, I'm in a brownstone. <laughs> Someone who's owned a brownstone since like the sixties. And She's having. We're having a conversation. All of a sudden, this marijuana just wafts through the space Ooh. in her brownstone, and it's not her. It's the neighbors. It's like oh. that's how bad it is. And it's like I, w- I was having this conversation with them last night. I said, "Listen, I smoke. I'm a pothead, but I don't agree with it in New York City as far as like the locations of the dispensaries because mm. we're so oversaturated. Yeah. Where their kids going to schools now. I see parents walking their kids to school and the, it's just marijuana everywhere. I'm not for that. No, I'm I can a little smoking. Yeah, I can understand that because, you know, we all want to be legal for us smokers, but at the same time, let's have a little regulation on who, what, when, and where to make it a little bit more acceptable because everybody doesn't smoke. And some people that sit and everybody should. I think everybody should. There will be a lot of less anger and um, nonsense going around. So y'all smoke and tote and let this this spread the joy. Well, you just let us into one of our hot topics, by the way. And then we're going to get to the narcissism because that is... For me, that is important. Mm. You know, um, what is, oh, here we go. Oh, yeah, Elmo. Because <laughs> you were saying like everyone needs to smoke. And like, I just found this just so crazy that Elmo went viral recently after asking, how is everyone doing? The account was met with an outpouring of angst and existential dread from thousands of users who said things weren't going very well. The tweet received more than 47,000 reposts, 12,000 replies, and 175 million views as of last week Mm. or now two weeks ago. And he got responses from celebrities, members of Congress, President Biden weighed in, Larry David, I think, tried to slap Elmo and that that was a whole yes. thing but it's very very on brand with Larry David right but one of the comments was um one user told Elmo they were just laid off mm. while another informed Elmo their dog just rolled around in goose poop one user told the childhood character simply Elmo we are not okay mm. so what do you think like what's going on where people and this was mostly on, of course, the X platform, formerly known as Twitter. So 
Well, I want to say, first of all, Congress had no business responding because folks ain't doing good because of y'all. <laughs> okay? That's right. That, that's how, how dare Congress have anything to say. Um, cost of living is going up. There's no there's no minimum wage hike. So you've got the cost of living going up. People cannot pay their bills if you don't have two to three jobs down there. Or if you're not in the uh, same money amount as somebody that's, you know, because, you know, being, does, does, does middle middle class even exist anymore? Nope. Yeah. So either you're poor or super rich. So Congress, get out of Elmo's tweet and do something about it. This is your fault. Um, Biden needs to have several seats as well. Mm. Um, I think he's doing a decent, you know, he's doing his best, I guess. But your best ain't good enough for me. Um, I definitely wish we had someone else running, but we're stuck with um, Biden. I'll leave it at that. Um, yeah, but that's why people are not doing good. People cannot make ends meet. And people are exhausted trying to make, you can't even enjoy your family anymore. Folks don't sit down and have dinner anymore. You know, you have got to overwork, job, Uber, all this nonsense. And they expect yeah, everybody to be happy. Go, no, I'm tired. Because I know plenty of comedians that do ride share. And I'm a, it's no shame on anything. Everybody got to make some money. But the thing about that is uh, Elmo asking if everybody's okay. Why is absolutely right? Congress, it's y'all fault that we're not okay. It's a cost of living, uh, lack of family time, like you said. But at the same time, how does a puppet have more common sense than a basic human being to ask, are you okay? That's right. I, I feel B- B- Biden or C- Congress should, I'm not even going to blame Biden because we all know the president is just the picture on the oatmeal box. But they're not the ones really producing <laughs> everything or or running the shots. So that's why I say Congress really need to have several seats because you are the ones, whenever it's time to raise minimum wage, no, but when it's time to give themselves a raise, yay, nah. Well, they did raise minimum wage in California and New York City, but it's still not highest prices. Yeah, they had to, and I think there's somewhere else where they raised minimum wage, but you know, financial literacy, I say it all the time on this show, it's important because understanding why the rates are this high right now or why people are struggling will kind of help kind of ease some of the feeling, not all of it, because I'm struggling. Yeah. And, the you know, because we just came out of the strike. The strike, like, destroyed me. I did not expect the strike to be, like, this bad. I didn't know. I didn't think about how things trickle down. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the people who were always okay, who were striking are still okay. But the, the, the comics or the artists who were like still struggling, coming up, almost making it, that's been totally wiped. They've been wiped out Mm -hmm. from this strike. And I don't see, you know, they have programs, but it needs to be discussed more with SAG after because I see too many people really worried about healthcare, a lot of stuff. But the economy, you know, 
I watch Bloomberg all the time. Whenever they, they, this guy keeps talking about interest rates and like raising it or not. Every time he talks, I'm like, will this guy stop talking? Because it's like he always gets up there and he wants to tell you about whether or not he's going to raise interest rates or not. And then the stock market goes crazy. It drops or it goes up. But it's so interesting when unemployment or when people are struggling, the stock market does very well. Hmm. It's the greedy this is what I've been when they say they're letting off a number of employees at Amazon or at UPS, the stock for that company goes up. Yeah, because they ain't got to pay nobody. Yeah, but I will say this, like the way they've kind of steadily been following the this uh, so we don't go into a recession, they've actually done a really good job. We could have gone into a complete, We they still say we may go into a recession, mm-hmm. but they're saying that we found that they call it the soft landing. Mm-hmm. Like this woman was in my audience and she was like, oh, I went shopping this week and I got a fur coat. I go, oh, really? there's a, How nice someone's doing well. Soft landing came early for you, huh? <laughs> but, you know, it's really like if Trump was president during this time, it would be a, this whole thing would be even worse. Oh, like, trust me, I know. And that's what's scary is that all these charges this man has, um, he's been found guilty of the, the assault on a young lady, being sued because he can't shut up. He still is able to run. That is so crazy. That's crazy. I and, and I saw a video with all Trump supporters, and they were asking him what was the civil rights war about. It was hilarious. None of them knew what it was about. They were just like, oh, well, you know, it's always bad people. I'm like, dude, it was about freeing slaves. Whenever <laughs> it's always the bad union yeah. mad about yeah. money, because y'all was getting, the South was getting more money from free slavery, and you guys have no idea what the Civil War was about? But they don't want to know. It's out there in history books. And this is, like I said, we are taking so many steps back as a country. You can't teach black history, but you can barbecue on Juneteenth. We're going to give you an extra holiday. That would be fine. And then you have candidates running for presidency denying that there was ever any slavery. There was never any wars or political battles over it. And it's just like, do you hear what you're saying? But they say it enough, people start to believe or just go with the narrative. Well, only dummies do. Only only the, 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 the ones that's been living on a rock or the ones that choose to live on a rock. And this is why they don't want to teach black history. They don't want you to know all. Because when you go into depths of all the things about black history, it's really ugly. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's beyond slavery, the things that they did. In cannibalism. The, um, the R word. It's disgusting they don't want and i see i see like i don't know what it is right now but i'm seeing this backlash from dei which is diversity inclusion the backlash from it right now is i don't know if it's just my me because i'm on social media but it seems extreme like i'm seeing white boys in comedy are flourishing Mm -hmm. they are all celebrities, they are selling out theaters. 
They are making a lot of money. The TV shows have also gone back. You see a lot of like shows that focused on us that are being canceled. And then I'm looking at, I didn't watch the Grammys last night, but this whole thing with Jay-Z talking about Beyonce never receiving like an album uh, of the year. And she's got all this like, what's going on? And then the books being taken out. And then what I'm hearing from people is there's a a rise in black voters who want to vote for Trump. That's because, and I heard, unfortunately I hear this a lot from fellow African-Americans that the country was run better because of Trump. And I asked why, why, why do you think that that was something better when he blatantly displays his racism? And stole and, millions. And has, and has the Proud Boys backing him up, staying back, you know, stand by, he told them. But we were getting money. We were getting these checks. I, I'm like, okay, but the checks have stopped, haven't they? Y'all got one freaking check of $1,200. That is a check I get from my job and, and more. And you all are excited over that little bit of money. That's little money. That's the first thing. And I hate to say where I first heard that come from. And it was from rapper Sexy Red. So okay. <laughs> you oh, God, I, know. <laughs> I don't know why anyone would listen to someone who says my booty holes. <sighs> but you know what, Miranda? You this is who we're listening to? <clears throat> you know, it's almost like we, we bypassed what Miranda just said. And this is why you have black what people thinking Trump and all this stuff is okay. You right. take out black history and you shove this white narrative in our face. Yep. Because we all know when Bill Cosby before before you know the pudding pops, well before the peel pops, more black people were going to college and marrying. Yeah. With living single, you didn't see black women throwing drinks and being loud and being extra so. We have to remove this image of positivity and keep them stupid. We're going to throw sexy red out there. We're going to have yeah, dumbass beats like um, Meg the Stallion and um, Nicki Minaj. Um, <clears throat> we're not going to offer the black people the proper, um, like Beyonce album. I don't, you know, I don't want to care. She got enough money. She good. But all I'm saying is that we put all this whiteness and now black people, I think it mentally went back 30, 40 years of, you know what, if I was white, or if I think white, it'll be so much better. So they pulled out the positive black narrative out the way. And all you have is negativity in the music, negativity on TV, negativity on Instagram, with black folks going back and forth with each other by black men, black women. And we stay in this little bucket pulling each other down not realizing, oh, oh, okay, they're throwing this narrative at us and we're taking it. I say the same thing about when black folks say, oh, this is our culture. No, it's not your culture. This is a culture that white people have given you. You have accepted. This is why we have sexy red, because that's supposed to be part of our culture, being, you know, women, black women being over-sexualized, um, disrespected, mm-hmm. saying that black men aren't no good and they're always in jail when we were no, both are lies. So black people got to sit back and really understand what's going on. And this is also what happens when you don't remember your history. Because Jewish people will not be going back because they're going to shove the Holocaust down your throat. But we're yeah. told to get over it. It's over and it's not. Matter of fact, Amanda Seals, 
Somebody's we have getting people. reparations. I'm sorry to cut you off, Marie, but I just, it, Amanda Seals spoke on that. Um, I forgot where it's taking place, but they're giving some of the Jewish community reparations from the Holocaust. You know why we're not going to ever see reparations and people don't understand this? Reparations was already given out for, not for black people, but to free black people. They gave reparations to the slave owners to release slaves. There is, that's where our reparation went to. This is why they don't feel the need to pay us. We already paid them white folks to set you free. What else you want? And do you know how much money it would cost? Because it's easy to do a DNA and trace where slavery, if you was affected by slavery. I, I, me, and my, me and my sister, my, my dad and my mom, we've got our DNA um, done. And we can see where, okay, yeah, they, our answers was gone to Virginia, spread out. Yeah, so it's easy. So that's a lie when they say that we could never figure it out. It will cost so much money. America ain't trying to give up that kind of money. Well, that's the whole thing. I keep saying, like, let's look at what Biden has done. And because, like, the student loan debt, they should be hammering that to people because, I mean, I haven't had to pay. And thank God for that, because I can't afford to right now. Because Biden, even though they didn't pass it, he went around it and he figured out a way to still do it. And that is important because there's a lot of that student loan debt. It kept a lot of black people back, their credit scores, their ability to own homes. Mm -hmm. Like what, you know, reparations is important because there is so much that has been set against us. Yeah. And so now redlining, food deserts, not giving us home loans. I mean, it's a long list. So what are what are we doing when we say that Trump gave us a check? First of all, half of these motherfuckers, excuse my language, half of these motherfuckers who got a check, right, Mm -hmm. are going to jail because they weren't supposed to get that check. Mm -hmm. That that small business loan. And because Trump was, you know, they always said that Obama was handing out money like it was like you could hear the little the little Negro whistle that they were doing when they were talking about the way Obama was spending money. But you look at the way Trump was giving away money. Left and right. He's the real N word for real. Trump Trump is the biggest N ninja ever. But see, Trump was also giving out money. So you wouldn't pay attention to what he was stealing. Because I guarantee you, Trump got way more money than he gave out. He gave out way more money. I mean, he gave it goes back to the original foundation. It, the form they've just upped the formula. Let's disintegrate the black family. Okay. If you need assistance, you're a woman with children, we'll house you, but your man can't be there. Um, anytime that there is a misdemeanor, we get caught up in the justice system, even though we might be innocent, you still gotta pay fines and fees. You still gotta get an attorney just to get off whatever little nonsense they picked you up for. So it's a recycling thing. It's just stronger now because they're saying, look, you're not going to learn about yourself. No black history for y'all. We're going to pump up ours, like Rocky said, sexy red. And then we put our attention on so much nonsense. And I mean, it's so easy to get distracted. And when you're distracted, you're not going to focus on what's taking place in the background on what they're actually doing. Oh, okay. Well, they're 
at odds with each other. So that's good because as long as the people is always at odds with each other, there will never be any solution. Never. And that's the way they like it. But white people need to be angry as well. And I'm because everything that you talked about with college debt, all this stuff is always starts with the racism. Same thing with healthcare, because, you know, most countries you go to school for free. Um, healthcare is for free. And all of these things are not free in America because it was designed to make sure black people did not succeed or continue living. And that's the reason why we don't have free health care. They figured, OK, if we don't give out free health care. They will dwindle out and die. And Negroes are like roaches. They will not die. You could drown them, bomb them. They still here. OK, so that didn't work. But guess what? Who else is suffering from that same racism? They are because they got to struggle with health care. But that starts from racism as well. Well, as they all college. got Obamacare. Yeah, don't exactly. Educate, yeah, don't educate them. They they love Obamacare. Exactly. Oh yeah, all those Congress Republicans love they them. They fought it to the nail when it first came up, though, because the black man came up with it. And now they're like, whoo, thank God I got that up." And you don't hear that enough. No, like that should be drilled into like. Like, how many of you have Obamacare? How many of you are thanking God you have Obamacare? Who did that for you? It wasn't the Republican Party. it's never the Republican Party. Even a video of Trump, and it's a video with his mouth moving and his voice, we do better under the Democrat Party. We do. Now, I'm not saying Democrat is not all for blacks. They love to use black people, but the money is flowed out better. Um, things are better for the, for America when a Democrat is in office because when we have a Republican, we always find our way into a recession. We always, every freaking Republican, there's been a recession, a short of money. And I, I really have to be honest with you. How dare America talk about credit with people when America got the shittiest credit on earth? How you gonna tell me I can't get a house and a car on my credit? Because <laughs> right. if America tried to buy a car right now, I'm you have to get a co-signer. You have to get a co-signer. Now, I, uh, <laughs> I want to ask you: Do you think like the Cat Williams interview is part of that? Like, I enjoyed it. I, I felt like it was entertaining, but it is part of that toxic sort of like, That's... like there like, was there was that conversation of like. Is this the same thing where it's like, why are we doing this to each other or, or is this different? Dave Chappelle is the only person that spoke yep. publicly about that and say, why didn't you bring up any white comics? Because we all know that there are some white comics and other ethnic background comics that have done some real screwed up nonsense. But Kat, I think, I think the man's brilliant. He's funny. And he knew that once he got into that space, he was going to just go ham. Why do you think we're all counting down right now to when, when Club Shay Shay interviews Monique? I'm looking forward to that interview. Like, yeah, I'm looking forward to that interview like the Super Bowl. Okay? So that's because I know there's going to be some gems dropped. There's going to be some stories told. But people, and not just black people, but mainly us, we gravitate to negative things. We gravitate to, that's why Cat Williams' interview got over Lord knows how many millions of views. Monique is probably going to double that. 
But I mean, you got to think about it this way. I don't think it was just straight negative that Cat was trying to do. I think Cat Williams' whole thing was, why as black people are we holding other black people down? Okay, because that's right. White people. Then this is another problem with us as black. People. We, we want to focus on what they do next door. The white folks next door ain't thinking about you, but the black people next door are in your same community. Should be trying to pull each other up, and you have the same people's name coming up from Cat, Monique to Taji. Okay, it's the same top ranked black folks coming up, that's up there. That could be. Hold her hand out. Let me pull you up. Now, the only time I think Cat was being petty is when he brought up Kevin Hart. You cannot be mad with someone that happened to get picked up a scene by a rich white man or whoever it was and said, you know what? I'm going to make you a success. And that's what happened with Kevin. We let Kevin be. And Kevin worked his ass That's off. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. It, I think it was a tad bit of jealousy on the Kevin Hart thing. I'm not going to even lie because Kevin is... I don't care I if you even serious. I don't want Kevin Williams to see this and come for no heifer. That was no, uh, first of all, Cat is Cat uh, is one that I ha- have to agree with. He has actually put himself out there, has helped other comedians, yes. helped other people. He's adopted various children, raising them in, the, in his household. But at the same time, he's not going to get the mainstream spotlight. It's almost like what he said about, and Cat, I, I love you. Don't come for me, Cat. It's almost the same thing that he said about um, what is that girl name that's not funny? Ghetto Tiffany Haddish. He's almost. I, I, I give him more credit as far as educating and knowing, but Cat is. He's that hood brother. He is. He's that hood brother. And white people are gonna be like, ah, they go, ah, you know, they, they you know, it's just like right. I'm out and about in a bad area. White people are gonna ask me for directions. They're not gonna ask that, that you know, that threatening looking Negro. That's how white people move. That's how they it's do. Stigma. It's a stigma. It's that part. And even though Cat Williams is very, um, very well diverse mentally, he's Smart, done a lot yeah. of work. Me and Michelle were just sitting back watching different movies. Like, oh, shit, that's why Cat was in this. He's done a lot of work, too. He's been doing a lot of work. And I think it's the anger of why have I not been recognized? Well, I think it's also like what you were saying, too. He was address. He said he was addressing the people who said things about him and who screwed him over. And he's also trying to sell tickets. Yeah. Well, I I think he did that. But you know what, Ken? Honestly, he does not have to do much promotion when he tours. No, he he doesn't. It's just like even though more people recognize Chappelle, Chappelle could show up to your town tonight and be sold out in an hour. Yeah. Cat Williams could do the same thing, but he's not in the mainstream spotlight as far as, you know, what Dave Chappelle is. And that is because Cat Williams carries a tone of conversation with him. The tone of conversation is, I'm not the one. You're not going to pull one over on me, just like when he had that interaction with the DJ in Atlanta. And she thought she was going to be able to throw little jabs here and there and he wasn't going to be able to put her in her place on the Maybe air. He read her so good, my favorite he part. He read that half of so bad, it was yeah, only, only one of us is wearing $12 worth of jewelry right now, okay? Come stick your gnarled fingers through it. No, let me say something. That's one thing as a podcaster I would have never done was try to comfort Kat. I, I don't know where her energy came from, but she started that mess. 
Yeah. And when you start something like that, you just got to go and just take it, lay in it. You you did it. And you did not realize you was working with someone that is quick and a genius when it comes to wordplay. That is cat. And I would have never done that. What's funny to me is all of the comics who are still trying to make, get some viralness off of that interview. Like it's like let it go. It's it's over. It's I know. I I I just was like the Shannon Sharp moment because I was watching it and the camera decided to pan while Cat was talking to like Shannon's crotch area. I'm I haven't felt anything down there in quite some time. <laughs> And something moved. I was like, wow. Was it a throb? Is that what it was? It was a throb. It, 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 had, a pulse. it, just, it had a pulse. It was like a heartbeat. But I, I I, was so confused by that the choice of the cameraman. I was like, wait, Kat is still talking. And you and he was in that position and that body was like bodying. And I was like, whoa, I have never looked at Shannon. I've never looked at Shannon Sharp the same way. way. But when I saw that outfit, I mean, the brother is built. Ooh. But he I should no longer you. wear adult onesies on interviews. <laughs> Because I promise you, that's what it looked like to me when I first saw it. I said, like, wearing a onesie? Oh, it's a two-piece. I'm sorry. But you know what? It was tight. It was a tight outfit. It was, it was white, so it, it was a bulge. I missed it because... No, there was no bulge, which my sister was trying to say. She says, I was looking for, you know, the bulge, and I didn't see it. And I was like, listen, don't mess with my fantasy. <laughs> I don't find him attractive, so I would not be looking at his crotch. But I if the camera pans you know, if a camera, pa- we do it when we're on Instagram Live all the time. We're talking to somebody, and then there's somebody, a, a man that we're talking to. Let them get up and adjust their pants, and their crotch is all in the camera. And we'll be like, "Hold well, on, I mean, in your face at that point. I mean, and I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't watch the whole three hours because I'm not losing that much time, but I can't get back. I watch snippets. I've heard people talk about. It. No, I'm serious. I don't have no interest in that. Okay, he talked about the same people that's been talked about. Steve, um, Ricky oh, Smiley. Um, I'm not surprised because when I watched that rebuttal from um, Cedric Entertainer, Cedric told on himself, "You did steal that man's joke." He did. You can't sit there saying, "I believe I wrote that joke." Either you know or you don't know. Believe it has nowhere know. to be around. You changed it up to a rocket ship when it was a car. Let's stop playing. So a lot of times it's best to be quiet when you know you're guilty. Even though Steve Harvey said, I won't say anything about it. He spent a whole hour ranting to his audience of the family feud that was not on TV. But it is. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, yes. Go look for it. He ranted about how I don't respond to nonsense. And he kept going. You just responded, sweetheart. (laughs) You're just not doing it on camera, but there's footage out there. Before Family Feud started, you responded to Cat Williams. Cedric is so sweet. You almost felt bad, even though you know he took the joke. I you almost feel like Cedric. Steve, so I know he can't be too much better. You know what? But <laughs> I, I met Cedric uh, years ago. He's a real nice dude. But at the same time, when you're a comedian and Like I said, I don't want to say maybe he just did it subconsciously because he just thought about it later. No, that was deliberate. 
Now, we can do that from time to time when we're retelling a story and we had a similar video that we watched. Like, um, we got a guy out here now who's telling the Richard Pryor story on how like, when Richard Pryor went to the Playboy Mansion and it was all this sexiness going on. A comedian friend of ours had this a similar story. And <laughs> it, was, it was funny because somebody was telling me about this joke. Me and Michelle at the same time. Now, me, I said, that shit sound familiar. I said, that's a Richard Pryor joke. And Michelle said, Rocky, you right. So Michelle, it was Sunset, wasn't it? Yeah. On so Sunset Michelle Street. Google, and I said, it's mm-hmm. the same joke. Oh, I see a lot of comics take Richard Pryor's material. It's like, oh, yeah. there's a there's a guy right now doing a joke, um, and you will hear it. He goes, he goes, well, he was trying to talk about the release of uh, bail, like the bail is not set. And so they're releasing people out back into the street. And he goes, we need, he goes, it must be white people talking about, you know, releasing people. We need jail. He goes, cause I went to jail and some of those folks Belong need there. to be in there. I know that Richard and we've, we yeah. know yeah. that Richard Pryor joke. Yeah, because he Richard Pryor and said he went to do a comedy show, and he said some of these mofos need to be in here. He said, "Thank God, forgiveness." <laughs> so as I was listening, I was watching the guy on stage, and I'm like, "How do you think what? Like, are you kidding me? That was one of the classic Richard Pryor bits." Yeah. But comics, I find like these moments like with Cat Williams is like informing the audience that they've been tricked in a sense to be okay with stuff that's really not okay. And although it may feel it is slightly toxic, it's the truth. truth. And that's the thing. It's like we I know I'm in the scene and I see a lot of it and it's just the injustice of it. Is like he wasn't doing it like the in the Chitlin circuit. You got a lot of comics taking and stealing from each uh, other. I said Robert Williams was big on stealing comedians' jokes. Rest his soul. Oh yeah. Oh, Robin Williams. Yeah, they used to talk about Robin Williams all the time stealing jokes. Like comics steal jokes, and yeah. white comics steal jokes, and white comics trash other white comics. It's, but I will say like. In the black comedy scene, what I felt like Cat was exposing is. The, there is a white industry out there that is selecting who they and think cool, yeah. should be the one. Now, I wouldn't say that ab- about Kevin, but there are some comics out there that are, you know, more ghetto than they need to be yeah. or but they ain't saying nothing. And it's like, well, why do you think that's interesting for Hollywood? Like, what what are we are you going backwards? Like, there's not enough Wanda Syke type black female comedians Mm -hmm. you know when i started doing comedy i saw her and i was like oh there's a possibility that i could also do this and that is on purpose that i don't see enough of the i don't want to say intelligent black female comics i don't want to make it like that but i'm saying like the black female comic who's not doing the sort of stereotype that hollywood loves and and i hate because I there's nothing worse than going to a comedy show. And we went to one, I think it was that with um Godfrey Michelle, and he had a female that went on stage. Oh, that was years ago, yeah. Yeah, and I commended her for not talking about effing the whole damn show. 
I get so sick of black female comedians getting on stage and the whole, every joke is about banging my cooter, my cooter. It's so, they're no different than these, these female having rap battle on who get to squirt the most. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to hear it in my, my music. And I sure as hell don't want to buy a ticket and sit in the audience and listen to this nonsense. <laughs> there is so much more to black women than having the biggest butt, having the wettest coochie, and who could squirt the furthest. Is that a carnival challenge? Is that what we're doing? When I listen to music, it's always my coochie good. My coochie, your man, I can take your man because my coochie's so good. But that translate into socialization. We know a girl online, all she do is brag about how good her stuff is. Girl, and, and build like a 10-year-old boy. Girl, sit down. It's so funny because all my material right now is about how my coochie is done it is not good anymore it is it has aged girl coochie <laughs> is wine, okay menopause is a bitch but you're not uh, talking about banging and having sex. no i know i know you're like but, girl, I, sh- I tell people in the heartbeat i shot my coochie back in 2015 i committed suicide on that thing okay <laughs> and it was a surgery so i have to tell people i Cooch is still good. Is my interest really big on sex? No, I believe nah. Marina's hitting on the sexual aspect personally. It ain't for comedy, but for a public audience. And when you have a girl's discussion about, and and if you ain't had it in a while, yeah, you're going to want to talk about it because if I can't get some, can I at least talk about it a little bit until I do? I guarantee you the women that's talking about they got the wet wet and they squirt squirt got the wackest coochie. I bet you Sexy Red got the most wackest, wretched coochie all in America. Because if it's when that I good, first, you shouldn't have to brag about it. Right. I, I was so unaware of, of this artist. I was too. I don't know if I should call her an artist. But I was in the bathroom at the Stan Comedy Club and the song was playing in the bathroom. And I'm like, wait. What? What is this? They, I felt so old. I was like, "What is this garbage?" That's, what? That's the perfect place to play that music is in the band. While you taking it off, at least say. it was. Yeah, at least you were in the right listening room. Yeah. It'll never become elevator music ever. <laughs> yeah, listen, look, 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 you never know the way. The, I know the way human society is going. You're gonna go into a damn elevator. You're gonna be 60, 70 years old. Oh. <laughs> I never thought house music would be like in elevator or anything. And then they did the whistle song. It was like a Lipton tea commercial. I was like, what's happening while we're talking about relationships and narcissism. And Michelle, you have a book now it's called breaking free, a guide and a workbook for women trying to escape a narcissistic relationship. Yes, ma'am. That's a new ebook that's available. And Personal experience was motivation for the book. And I was just on the podcast yesterday discussing the book. And I mainly made it for women because we go through this thing we call life and thinking that we're going to meet a companion. And then sometimes you don't feel worthy. You don't feel like you're truly you're happy or yourself because you're with the wrong individual. And 
narcissists, we use that term so loosely, but when you break it down, what their characteristics are, how they operate, especially on how they operate, because see, once you realize how they operate and you'll be like, oh, damn, I didn't realize I was a victim. And I am. And I mean, that's what my reaction was. I was like, oh, I've been going for this okie doke all this time. And this dude is, is basically just playing me for his own benefit. So it's a workbook that I'm going to share some personal experience with you. Then I'm going to break down the terms and the things you need to be looking for. And it also has worksheets in there. So you could actually write out because that was something I had to do for myself to write down what it is so I don't, because I let a narcissist twice. And that's why I was like, oh no, I can't go back. I cannot deal with it. And then when I looked around at my history, I've been dating quite a few of them and just didn't really realize it until I started doing that paperwork. I said, oh yeah, I, this is me. It's nothing. They just saw me and zoomed in on me because they know I have a certain, I have a giving, caring nature. But they are attracted to you know. I did I did bring right. that up when you was talking about your book, and I said narcissists are attracted to empath people. Me and Michelle both are empath, mm-hmm. and when you feel deep, so that's a good way to sucker a person because you know naturally they're very giving, they're very loving, and they can feel how you feel. So that's another mm-hmm. thing about narcissists. They look for those kind of people. They're not going to date another narcissist, okay? They're not going to do that. But um, right, I got to because you know, it's only ruling for one ego. Yeah, except for that article we have about power couples; those are like narcissists combined. It definitely is, is because, for money. because what I want to say this: what Jay Z did at the Grammys last night, I thought was dumb. I really oh, did. Okay. I, I thought yeah. I thought it was dumb because, yes, we understand your wife has many single hits and everything else, but at the same time, there's other artists that had the same situation. Why should she, she be any different? That part. So when yeah, so when you put your wife out there, like you know, she didn't want all these, but y'all ain't never gave her album of the year. You're gonna make your wife a target now. But Jay-Z need to be worried about his name coming up with his Diddy shit. That's what he need to worry about. As well as they are living. Okay. That takes a lot, takes more nerve than a toothache. You know what I'm saying? But I find that, no, but, but that, I mean, don't you find that there's a lot of artists out there that has been overlooked. You, you think about NDRE when she first came out in the same time as, um, what's that girl's name? Came out. NDRE was looked over because she didn't have the look. There's a lot of artists that get looked over. Okay, you know this. You y'all both wrote a song about how you don't trust the industry, but you're still selling. She's still highly recognized. If that heifer has a concert, she's selling out. Tickets costing your damn damn your house note. So, Jay Z, I love you, but sit down because his name has been coming up a lot with that Diddy crap. Saying that he's worse, he needs to be focused on that. Do you own a Beyonce album, or I don't want to get y'all in trouble. Girl, we, <laughs> we gonna say what we got to say. It don't make no difference who it's about. So, I mean, so Tina, I, I love a I'm, lot of stuff. My favorite one is that shot and her and Jay Z did with um, was I forget that DJ's name. I always call him Collar Greens. I have a lot of favorite songs. DJ Khaled, who? 
DJ Khaled. Yeah, I love that. Shining, I love that song. There's a lot of songs that Beyonce has that I like. Um, love on Top is another one of my favorites. I got a lot of Jay-Z songs. I may not own an album, but they on my Spotify playlist. <laughs> okay. We don't do albums like that now. But no, if I do go get an album, I'm getting like old school hits or people I really, really mess with, like Amy. I, I got the Amy. Stephanie Ryan. Mills. Stephanie Mills. I, I, I just got Stephanie Mills. Because... I never lost that one. I thought what he did at the Grammys was narcissistic. That yeah. was just a prime example of he's a narcissist, you know, being a narcissist on a higher level. And even though you'll think, oh, he's just defending his wife and everything. I said, no, it's, it's about him showboating too. Because he's married to her. And yeah. Beyonce was not Beyonce until they got married. Okay? She was an average artist. I'm not saying she's not talented. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But you have to look back at her history, which because she's from Houston. And I could go to each one of these old school radio stations, which we did work for one, and used to talk about how Beyonce would come up there all the time trying to audition and sing. So the girl been working her butt off, but she didn't get that fire until her and Jay-Z became a unit. They, they did lift each other up. I believe that Jay-Z started rapping at a higher, well, at least more meaningful rap. Let's just say that. Um, Beyonce, yeah, she blew up. But see, now, Jay-Z, like I said, his name is tied into so much nonsense. He needs to be quiet. Because they even bringing up Aaliyah again on how he, they had something to do with snuffing her out for Beyonce to rise. So there's a lot going on behind Jay-Z's name. Then you got your girl, um, Foxy Brown, talking about him. I think Jay-Z just needs to be thanking God that he's successful as he is. Well, I'm they just, don't have to worry about where their next meal come from. I'm just talking about the narcissistic, the narcissistic traits that I... No, it was narcissistic. Just, that's even more reason why I find it narcissistic. Because, dude, you highly favored, you highly blessed. Why are you yeah. complaining? So what's on the worksheet? Like, what are some of the questions, like... If I ever start dating ever again, um, what do I have to look out for? Because I know I'm like you, Michelle, like I look back at a former relationship and I'm still friends with him, but I look back at it. And there was one thing in this article that said you become like an assistant. And I was like, I was an assistant. Yeah. When you look oh back, you don't realize you was doing admin duties. <laughs> I mean, for real. <laughs> Did you say admin duties? Because... Admin duties. <laughs> oh, excuse me. The worksheet, there's several of them. And the main one that I like is what are you going to do if he tries to come back? Because a narcissist, if they think they can get you a second go around, they'll come back around. When I experienced my second round with the same narcissist, he came when my our mother passed. That's when he showed mm. back up. Okay? So I'm vulnerable. I, I, I'm just like, oh, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to be the shoulder you cry on and blah, blah, blah. And six months later, we back to the same fuck shit that you was doing when I stopped talking to you the first go around. At the same time, we all don't realize it until afterwards. So one worksheet says, what are you going to do if he decides or tries to come back? 
So that's really for you to really put down your boundaries and make sure it sticks with you mentally because you may still have feelings for that person and not realizing that they're just coming back for a second go around to see what they can get out of you this time. Um, if it gets to a point where it never got with me, but if it does get to a, an abusive point, you're already being mentally abused. But if it gets physical, you need to have a plan. I think you need to have one when it's mental abuse too, because you're brainwashed. So I've got a plan of action in there. When what you need to do to kind of move yourself away from that whole situation, you got to have family and friends to call on. You got to have, uh, if you live with the person where you're going to go, if you decide to leave. So writing out a plan makes it a lot easier to process versus just saying, Oh, girl, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm tired of this. And then he'll be in your ear and say something that you're not going anywhere. Mm. Have a plan. Have yeah. a plan. So there's several worksheets in blocking, there. Blocking on social media probably is is a good idea, right? It, it's definitely good. And I should have did that because after the second go around, I would be on lives on Instagram with my friends and I would see him pop in. He wouldn't say anything. But he would just sit there like, oh, I want you to know I'm in this room. So I got sick of it. And I basically bust him out during the life. I haven't seen him since, thank God. But I bust him out. It wasn't nothing too petty. I just said there's a person here that keeps popping in, don't want to say nothing, take accountability. But I'm not going to call no names. Needless to say, he left the chat. <laughs> Because I'm tired of you popping in these rooms randomly, not saying nothing just yeah. to let me know that you're in the room. I don't care. And that's part of the narcissism, right? Just to put his image or his name in your head or exactly. what are some signs of narcissists like that you can get? Like if you're dating and you're not sure, because I know like I went on a date with a guy and I I, I kind of felt like he was just talking about himself. Oh, that's, that's like, and I couldn't, I wasn't, but I, I felt like myself going into some old habits of being okay with that until, and, and I was like, Oh, this guy is cute. Oh, I, maybe I could. And then I was like, but there was a doubt. And then I had my friend say to me, what did he ask you? Did he ask you anything? about you anything mm -hmm. and i had i sat there for like five minutes and could think of anything mm. yeah that's they'll, they'll you're dismissive they will dismiss you and make the whole situation about them they brag on their accomplishments too much they over talk you about what they're doing their problems are bigger than your problems um and they can be at a point where they're so dismissive that they're disrespectful and I'll tell you a brief story that the guy was dating. He got sick. I went over there, made homemade soup, hooked him up, made sure he was good. And before I leave, I love you. Oh, this is new. So once he gets back healthy, I have a conversation. And this is where we fell out. I said, well, you said you love me. Was that for convenience or do you really feel that way? And he tried to turn around on me. Were you scared? I'm like, I don't, I'm not scared of love, but I don't want you to say something you don't mean and say it just because I'm taking care of you because you're sick and that's what you're doing. And he thought I would never call him out on that. 
And I had to. I'm like, dude, you think I'm one of these little giddy girls that get all goosebumps when you say the L word. When you don't use it, you rarely say that. For you to say it now is convenient. You're a narcissist. Mm. Anything to oh, keep I me around. Happen. I had that happen with a comic. He's well known. He's very hot. A lot of people like him, but I'll never acknowledge him again in my life. Um, because he said those words to me and we barely, we were just sleeping together. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with that. And then he goes, I love you. And I go, ha, 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 ha. I go, why are you doing that? <laughs> Don't do that. No, he goes, no, I do. I do love you. I love you. If like something ever happened to you, I'd be upset. And I'm like, if something ever happened to me, I'd be upset. Right. <laughs> what do you mean you? Yeah. How did you just they make something happen to me about They switch you? it up on you because I'm telling you, even during the break when I first broke up with this guy because his mouth was reckless. And I when we did get to talk about my mother's passing... Um, we discussed when we priorly fell out and it was right before the pandemic. He was giving me all these violin stories. I was, I had a panic attack and I was alone. Oh, your phone wasn't working. Is that what you're telling me? You telling me your phone wasn't working. I was supposed to stop all that I was doing. Knowing I was still mad at you for not taking accountability for what you said. And I was supposed to break my self-respect to cater to you. You have lost your mind. <laughs> okay and it's these little things that narcissists do and trust me there's not just male, male narcissists out there there's plenty of female narcissists I, I see them in these streets all the time and they try to play these men who have a loving giving nature so it's on both ends I can only speak from a woman's perspective well they say narcissists attract narcissists in a way because you're usually attracted to something that is reflective of who you are too. Yeah. So I like you may that. be a mini narcissist, you may be a mini. And I think like this article, why n narcissism is rising is important because it's, there are people who are becoming narcissists because of social media. Yes. So social psychologists report a steady increase in narcissism measures among college students from one decade to the next. Narcissism is considered to be a personality disorder that seriously disrupts everyday life and is rare. Yet narcissistic tendencies are on the rise mm -hmm. as more young people experience high self-esteem and are more concerned with what others think of them. It says one reason for increasing self-esteem may be, they said, grade inflation in schools. When children receive all A grades, they see themselves as a straight A students and experience high self-esteem, whether the grades are merited or not. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's the modern technology like the cell phones and social media offer perfect instruments for self-promotions. Platforms such as Facebook and Instagram allow users to depict a glamorous lifestyle that may or may not correspond to their lived experiences. Like I, these filters I knew years ago was going to be a problem yes. when I saw people using the filters and not saying they were. I know a comedian who look at me I'm doing I'm dropping all, dropping all the bombs. no name comedians but I'm not saying who they are but I'm like this comedian this comedian but 
I know a comedian, like she goes on and I know there's a filter mm. and I'm looking at this and I'm like, are you okay? Because you're distorting your, you're, you're trying to send this to your audience. Why your nose is straighter. Your eyes are blue. They're not blue. Mm -hmm. And you have a very Euro look now that you don't have. And, yeah. So what are we doing? My favorite I would say my, my favorite filters and I ain't trying to, it softens the skin when I have no makeup on because of my <laughs> age. But but that's okay. But I'm not, changing, color. I'm not yeah. changing how my nose and face look. I won't even do the contour, but I was going to say, I watched a doctor, a therapist said that people that's narcissistic, it's also being embedded in children. You are raised to be yeah. this way. And mm -hmm. the job that I, the work I do, I see it every day in little children. And these parents are not parents anymore. They are servants. And I, when I promised, I, I already knew it was going to be a problem when I saw a six to seven year old little girl being carried in 111 degree heat into the building. And I asked the mom, well, why isn't she walking? Oh, her feet are sweaty. We just saw the Barbie movie. And when the little girl sat down and I started to do her hair, you know, just like take them out. Oh, it was, she was so extra. She slid out the chair. She fussed and talked back. I don't do talking back with children. I don't do that. Now your mammy may do it because she's your servant and she's not going to correct you. And, you know, leading to say, I didn't finish that little heifer's head. I let her go with it. I was not, and the mother had this attitude. I'm like, baby, you are the problem. It is you. And this little girl is going to grow up thinking the world owes her something and it's going to post a kiss her butt. And it's your fault. That is another thing of narcissistic because I see a lot of coddling and over helicoptering of children from parents. And then you then the lazy part, just give them the pad till they're shut up. Just just give them some technology so they shut up. Then you get the Internet mm -hmm. stuff that you are talking about. So you are raising your child to be narcissistic and then you're giving them tools to help them to be narcissistic. And yeah. I tell people, if you are not going to, if you don't have the energy to raise your child and correct them, cross your legs, use birth control. Because I'm not dealing with those little shits. <laughs> and I love kids. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah I, I oftentimes worry like I see younger you know comedians who they have an entitlement yeah. now yeah because they're on social media and they're getting the love from social media so they walk into a real space and you could almost see that they think they're like this and, and you're like no but I just saw fine. yeah like if and if I don't know who they are or I you know or like they don't know who I am because they haven't done their homework because they've been so busy on social media doing their social media stuff that they don't even know who came before them. They don't know the history of stand up. They don't care about the history no. of stand up. They haven't even worked on a on a joke. They don't even know how to construct a joke. But they went viral on Instagram that week. And so now they walk in with this like arrogance and 
then they go on stage and they bomb. Yeah. That's, that's, that's and and they come off, is. they come off. Yeah. But I that, mean, we know a lot of comedians that are not, you know, on that level just yet. But for some reason, in their mind, they think just because I'm booked means I'm funny. I'm like, no, you can be booked all month. If nobody in the audience is laughing at you or asking or somebody following up at you and say, hey, I would love for you to come to my club, then you are still at work. And this problem is, like you said, we got so many people in this society who want to belong to something, that want to be uh, attached to something great. I see regular, average, everyday people, once they hit their live button and they're trying to have a theme conversation, here come the butt kissers. I mean, they lips come in, puckered oh. up with chapstick. Oh, 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 you're the best. And I'm like, you're cool followers. But and the sad oh thing is, goodness. too, when you go on Instagram, everybody has life coach and comedian on their profile. And the I had an interaction. Thing. I had an interaction recently with this guy. And I'm just like, dude, is, is this your way of being funny? Because I was, he didn't understand what I was talking about. So instead of listening and learning, let me crack a joke or say that shit is stupid. What you're not going to do is play with me, boo-boo. And the second thing is talking shit does not make you a comedian. Like what yeah. you just said, constructing a joke and making it land, telling a good story that lands, that is being a comedian. If, if, that's, if that's being a comedian, then everybody in my fucking high school or junior high school at lunchtime was a comedian. If we just talking trash to each other, we all That's what kids do in school, baby. This is not being a comic. Mm-hmm. And I hope and to God I don't run into For him, I pray he don't run into me again on these IG streets. Because <laughs> the first time I was nice and I ignored him. I blew him off like a fart. You know, whatever. I'm not going to entertain him. Because <laughs> this is beneath me. So I start. I communicated with the real comedian. That was JP Justice that was on there. He's an actual comedian. He's been there, done that. So let me talk to him. And I ignored his bro. But God is my witness. If I ever see that boy again, I'm going to make sure he know. You're not a comedian. You need to take that out your title. Because <laughs> talking trash does not make you a comedian. Exactly. And then some people will get too hyped to think you're comedian material. Rocky has been approached so many times because she's quit with her wit. But Rocky knows the difference. I talk shit in conversation. I can't get on stage and have that same conversation and make a room full of people laugh. Big you may be able But, you know, I, I know most comedians, especially successful ones, too, though, have a lot of pain. I don't mm-hmm. carry that pain. I don't, I don't carry that dark passenger. I just talk shit because it's fun. I don't. Well, I know you all have to sit down, and mm-hmm. you get a story of your life, but you got to construct it where the audience, where it's going to be quick to the point and funny. That takes another skill. It don't take oh, no yeah. skill of me to sit here and talk about Michelle being an asshole or her head being big <laughs> or something that you did. Y'all, you said sounded stupid as hell. I mean, I, I do truth telling. If you do something stupid around me, I'm gonna call you out on it. If I think it's going to be really harsh, ooh, the Libra in me going to be like, Rocky, don't say it. But if I see you again, you do it again, then I got to say it. <laughs> but I'm not going to sit back and write 
a story, a, a, a joke out. And we got plenty of little ha-ha, rah-rah stories that we can tell us, of us coming up. But uh, it takes writer skills to be a comedian. It does. You know, and you have to sit down. And I, I have an article that I didn't put in, but it was talking about how a lot of this is causing depression in people and fatigue. And because now it's not even just comedians who have to go on and do the marketing on, you know, Instagram and social media. Like, Every every industry now is requiring you to like have followers and have people go, yes, what you're doing is good. And it's not it's starting to wear on people. And it's not like they're finding like the highest influencers are the most depressed. They're like miserable people. They're not happy. And I've often seen that. Like I'll go and with some young comics and I'll see like they've got like the, the ring light and they've got the camera and they know exactly how to sit and they know exactly the outfit and the makeup and the this is what we want to say and blah, 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 blah. And then like all that goes off and they're just they're like it's almost like their whole body just slumps over. And they're just still in their phone, but they look like they're not even talking to the person that they are co-hosting with. And I'm like, where's the fun? Like when I was a comedian coming up, we had so much fun. I have stories that I can tell you about of being downtown in the village and seeing like Jim Gaffigan come in or Sarah Silverman, Mark Maron coming in the room and a guy skating over 40 comedians because it was just fun to do. Like they don't have that. Like our generation has this like very like still childlike love of stand up that I see them who are younger, yeah. they have a very business industry. This is and, and and don't have a lick of really an idea of how to construct. Well, that's because your generation now, actually lived in the here and now. This new generation, everything is on screen. Half these people don't even have actual real friends in real life because everything mm-hmm. is social media. When you, our generation, we went out and when we wore out, we wasn't on our phones. We engaged in human contact. That is like a major big difference. So, I mean, and you do, and I, I said it's so sad to hear that young people don't actually really have friends in real life. And I'm like, that is so sad and alone, that is depressing. But if everything is online, you you have no life. So the only time you're going to light up is probably when you are. I I can see them slumping over because now my social is over. Now I'm by myself. I I mean, you had a hidden camera when Facebook and Instagram was down for about a day. People were losing their minds. You'd be like, okay, well, can't you do something else? You know, because I just have my phone in my hand. I got a so point in my day. I'll just take, oh, okay, that's nice. And then go back to doing what I was doing. Michelle, but it's There's crazy. Some- when that happened, what you talking about, I didn't know that they were down until I heard it on the news. I said, oh. <laughs> I had no idea Instagram and Facebook was down. When was it down? It was, it was something uh, last year. Ago. Oh, I think I remember. Yeah, that. It, it, was, day, it was just out, gone. And people Most lost the day of my life. <laughs> I didn't realize until, like I said, I was walking by the big screen TV and they were talking about it. I said, oh, let me, I said, oh, it is. 
But as you're talking about young comedians, all this lack of social interaction, this is also another contributor to being a narcissist. Because you get pumped yeah. up online from people you do not know. You have no personal connection with them. And they will pump you up to a certain point to either praise you because they need to have somebody to praise or to set you up. Don't believe that that don't happen. That if I come over here, Miranda, you know Rocky was saying so-and-so about you. Then I go to Rocky. Rocky, Miranda was saying this about you. And then eventually y'all going to cross paths. And it's going to be ugly. And I can just sit back with my popcorn. Mm, this is wonderful. Because more people are ch- turning to social media for that type of entertainment versus cable. And, and, and it's so sad well, because it has what? turned toxic. I'm sorry, Miranda. I didn't know if you were talking, but I'm just like, I keep reminding people on <laughs> in, I, IG, these people that you have this cult following behind used to eat boogers and glue in the back of the school. These are people that were on the short bus that you didn't, you know, you didn't really talk to. And now they got this platform that makes them feel so important. And Michelle read an article too, like when men are men that are on social media more become more bullies because they're on so long. I guess the ego is fed and you're feeding egos to men that probably got no play. That was probably scratching and crotch and sniffing it. Scratch and sniff. Why do you sound like you sound like you describing somebody we know? <laughs> I'm just saying that the, these are the people that we're on. There is a young, well, I ain't gonna say young, but there's a woman right now that has a cult following. And she promotes that she used to be a crackhead. Well, she doesn't promote, but she speaks her story. I used to be a crackhead. She used to sell cooter. And the only thing she does. Is Cooter. She's, a, she's a chuckle you fucker. Say- <laughs> you know what that is, a chuckle fucker. Okay. And she goes around talking to people like she's doing an interview. Well, like, Miranda, who are you fucking? Why haven't you had sex in this long? Well, what, do you think it's because your mother didn't love you? That's her conversation. And then you get people, yeah, girl, oh my God, don't you talk about my crackhead. And I'm like, do y'all see what y'all are doing? Y'all are trailing and snipping up an ex-crackhead whore that is too old. We almost pushing 70. And got a following because she's toxic. Mm-hmm. And it's sad and scary. And, I, and, and mental illness, this is not just narcissist, you know, people being narcissistic. Mental illness is at an all-time high. Yes, it is. And I believe COVID knocked it up a notch because people realized when they had to stay a home thousand notches. and not leave, they didn't like themselves that much. They couldn't stand their own presence. So let me get on IG since I ain't got nobody to talk to and I don't like talking to myself or spending time with myself and go fuck, go fuck with everybody else. Oh, you look happy, Marina. That, that's, that's, that's how they do. They get on there and they get mad. Marina look happy. And she by herself in that house, happy by herself. Girl, we're not doing this. You ain't going to be happier than me. (laughs) You know what's so funny is like, that's what I realized. I was like, oh, I guess I'm okay. Because like I, the pandemic, the only thing that happened to me that was, you know, part of it was 
my sensory level, they say when you're in lockup, your sensory level gets up. Like I could hear everything and I started to go crazy. That's the only thing. Like I could hear a whisper in the back and I was like, get him, shut up. You know, like I became that woman. I was like, there's noise everywhere. And I couldn't sleep. I could hear like, like low frequency hums that I was like, what is going on? But I enjoyed being by myself so much that I was like, Oh, I like this. Yeah. And then I here's the thing that follows. And then I'm going to ask you this, Michelle. But the thing that followed was all these articles about women who are single being like the most depressed. And I was like, what? And the most like broke. And I'm like, there's a conspiracy out there to get us in these relationships because I am so incredibly Do happy. you know that that was the opposite? What are you talking about? It was more women and children during lockup that was in abusive relationships that could not get help because they were stuck with that crazy psycho person. Yeah. So God bless being single. And only person abusing me was me and my dildo. I ain't had to worry about no man beating on me. <laughs> Cause the dildo. Now, Michelle, what do you hope for someone who's reading your book? What should they get from it? I hope it definitely opens their eyes to their surroundings and what they're submitting themselves to. And they don't have to. Because we, you just said an article about single women. And then when you get online and then people realize you're single, that's why you ain't got no man. It's the first thing out of somebody's mouth. First of all, what about me having a man validates me as a woman? I'm still a woman. Okay. And I have had relationships, but I choose not to entertain nonsense. So I want the book to kind of help people land and not fall for these false narratives they got out here. Because like I said, single women and older women get it the worst. Whenever you are in a social interaction on, uh, especially social media, sometimes in person, people will have you believe this, that you should be miserable because you have nobody. And that means you're going to push me into a relationship. I don't need to be in just for the sake of being in a relationship. And you don't have to but they don't have to be in that situation because you feel like you're pressured. Let me tell you something. If I, me or Rocky was to hinder to that, because see, our grandmother, God bless her soul, whenever we would date somebody, when y'all getting married? And I would always tell her, I said, Grandmama, you know, it takes time to get to know a person. I don't even know if I want marriage. You know what I mean? I'm just dating, having fun. But it was an importance to her because th during her time, that's what was important. You're a woman. You should be married by a certain point. You should have your own family. That's all well and good. But what if I'm miserable in that situation? I shouldn't have to. Yeah, I shouldn't have to bow down because society says this and society says that. Then I end up with the wrong person. Then I end up depressed. Then I may end up suicidal, God forbid. Because no, I, I, would be on snap. I, would, I would be on Snap first. Yeah, oh yeah, you may be on an episode of Snap. So yeah. what sounds better? You being single and happy and having a clear train of thought on you know who you are. Or for me to bow down to these narratives, get with somebody just because they're a man and they happen to be available and they'll, they're willing, not that they want to, they're willing to deal with me. That's not good. And at the time, if you married, it don't mean they're gonna be uh, faithful. Marriage does not is not the end all. And I believe mm -hmm. that narrative is being pushed in women's face to make us feel bad because men see we don't need to be married. 
We don't need to be mm-hmm. in a relationship. So you know what? The first thing a man walk well, you know, women, we, we outnumber you. Y- y'all outnumber us. So what does that mean to me? I said, so what is the, well, I mean, oh, when you get through all the, 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 the sexy reds, the women that don't want to cook, the women that just, that's just ghetto and loud, all the no women that don't like this at all. Yeah, I, 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 I almost think like we're, we're at an equal, but then you men choose the sexy reds and then you mad and bitter and want to shit on all women because you picked the wrong one. Miss me with that. No. What's the what's the one thing that surprised you, Michelle, about narcissistic? As you are learning that you you were with someone who was narcissistic, is was there anything that surprised you about narcissistic narcissistic behavior that you didn't know or that someone doesn't know that you should look out for? It was the, the person that that was a narcissist that I dated. You know, there'd be times where everything would be so smooth. And I'd be in a good space. Then they open their mouth and say something so arrogant. And I'm like, okay, why did you just disrupt this good vibe we're having? And it's because you want to press buttons. And I did not realize that you think you're in a situation that's good for you. But this person is not only using you, but they'd like to press your buttons just for the sake of their ego. And that was a consistency about oh, well, what can I say to take you down a peg or two? Or, you know, what can I do to make you feel like shit? And that means you'll basically go nowhere because I'm the only person willing to deal with you. They want you to believe that. And at a point, but at a point, some people will start to believe that they are not worthy of all this good loving and all this good conversation from this individual who is willing, not want to, they're willing to deal with you. I don't want nobody that's willing. And you know, you know I, I was gonna say too, I don't think you probably um looked this up, but both of y'all could look this up. But doctors say dealing with a narcissist, especially for a long, extreme time, actually causes brain damage. It actually it actually triggers um I think I don't I cannot I can't remember the name of it. But it triggers it something in your brain that causes a, a problem. And when this happens, you become more vulnerable and okay with this narcissistic behavior. Wow. Yeah. Now we we do have to get out, but before we go, I want this last article. I think I just think it's hilarious because Valentine's Day is coming up. So while you're about to celebrate Valentine's Day, don't forget who you're celebrating with. Are they are narcissists? Check it mm-hmm. and get Michelle's book. Thank you. Be free. <laughs> it's not called Be Free. Wait, what's it called? It's called, it's called Breaking Free. Breaking free. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now the San Antonio Zoo will let you name a cockroach after an ex <laughs> and feed it to an animal. I love this article, even though I couldn't look at the pictures. The San Antonio Zoo is offering a special Valentine's Day greeting for exes for their annual Cry Me a Cockroach fundraiser to support the zoo's vision of securing a future for wildlife in Texas and around the world. I'll be buying three. For t- 
<laughs> it's just for $10, too. For $10, the zoo will name a cockroach after your not-so-special someone. Oh, that sounds fun, so I'm spending feed- $30. That is the most and appropriate then- way to celebrate Valentine's Day, because I despise Valentine's Day. And it's not because I'm a single woman. I just think it's stupid, because you should be celebrating yes. that throughout the year. But the fact that if there is something I can do to contribute to preserve wildlife and be petty at the same time, so be it. Yes. Donate my... Girl, I was sitting there thinking of the names that I would get in that. And I, I would even... We don't date, date. We just be, you know, we just have relations and a friendship. But I would definitely give that... I would definitely name one Ron. <laughs> I would definitely name one Ron, <laughs> Michael, and Terrence. Those would be my three cockroaches' names. Now, if you want, and especially uh, to upgrade for $150, it includes, get this, a personal video. So Ron can see a personal video message to the recipient showing their cockroach, rodent, or vegetable being, because if you don't want to do a, a cockroach, you could do a vegetable, which no, being devoured. No, they need to be a roach because that's what they are. I, I, I'll go with the roach. <laughs> I'll take the roach, please, for $100. Let that Negro see it. <laughs> Last year, they received more than 8,000 donations from all 50 states in over 30 different countries. We gotta- right now, we are on track to break last year's record with Zach, Ray, and Adam being the most submitted X names so far. I've never known a good Zachary. I've never. I've never Michael known Wright. a good Hunter. It's I'm just certain when you hear them, you like, oh, asshole. You, you on that shit. You got that fucked up name. You got that name. I got to watch you. There's certain names that kind of tell you ahead of time what you about to get into. Zachary's one. Anthony. What's another one, Rocky? Uh, Ron. Yes. Because you don't know one, too. Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> Anthony, I've never known every black kid I know with the name Anthony was bad as hell. Every little white child named Hunter is bad as hell. Yes. Every little white girl I know with the name Eva, Ava, bad Eva. as hell. Right. Yeah. So, um, what about it, those Porsches? Yeah, what? Porsches. Those Porsches, Porsches out oh, there. Yeah, them ghetto, them ghetto girls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shaquana should be up there. Yeah, anything with Quana in it is toxic as hell. So please, yeah, go and put them Quanas in there. <laughs> the whole cockroach thing just makes me go. I want you know what you motivated me to start collecting. That's why I said them naming a cockroach. That roach represents that son of a bitch. That's why you go like, ooh, get off me. Yeah, that's why he's an ex and they a roach now. Now we finna enjoy that roach get ate. I, I, now, I, I, I you know what I would like to see project. them do if they do something for the, the wildlife or the snakes so we can name like these big ass rats and, and watch the rat get you know chopped down by snake if you wasn't such a bugaphobe I would say we need to get some cockroaches and do a live and have donations but I know you're not going to be handling any type of insects Rocky is and these are the big ones. They this because it's at the zoo, so they're the those the, big water big roaches. Ones. They're not the nasty hood roaches. Yeah. Those them big water roaches. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the big Damn, ones. them suckers can fly in Florida and Texas, y'all. Watch out. <laughs> well, I want to thank you both so much for being on Friends Like Us today. This it's always fun having 
the heifers, the gossiping heifers here. You heifers are so much fun. So are you, Grandma Mermaid? You know, I still call you Mermaid. Oh, thank you. Your name just says Mermaid to me. Oh yeah, Marie, the of the you know, I've never gotten on a boat because or for comedy because I'm always afraid that if it sinks or anything You're just gonna turn to your it'll mis- just be You're gonna turn to the mythical so- creature that you are and that's a mermaid. You'll be fine. Mermaid. Yeah. Well you know, we are honored to always be on your platform, Marina, because like I said, you have so many great women and men on your show and awesome conversations and we're just honored that oh we can heifers can actually talk and have conversations. <laughs> but we love we love our half of Moraine. Let me tell you, your episode was one of the highest rated episodes of like it was just amazing. Like I'm I always every now and then I'll look at the analytics and I'm like it, it, I just see gossiping heifers and then I see the bar is like way Whoa. up here. So people, friends like us, they love you. Oh, we love you so, guys too. Thank you. Ooh, thank you, guys. That. That's appreciated. So Michelle, where can our listeners find you? They can go to the Gossiping Heifers YouTube channel, follow us on Instagram, and with friends like us, you're going to stay away from them damn narcissists. Yes! Amen. Yes. Rochelle. Uh, what she say? Because <laughs> I'm on the same podcast on YouTube, and I'll be honest, I have a whole separate page on IG that I choose for people not to follow me on. Just follow the gossip and afters. Yeah. And, and, and God bless y'all. Yeah, God bless you. Well, yes. Marina Franklin here. It's been so great to have you. Make sure you go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And with friends like us, we'll feed those cockroaches to the pets for you. Every episode is just like getting rid of a bad ex. So check us out. Check us out.